0: Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. It's time for the Word. Are you excited about the Word this morning? I feel like we should dim the
1: lights and get the lights strobing for the announcement, right, like the NBA. But you know him, he, he's, a, he's literally a son of the house. Come on, somebody. Um, he's all the way from Fort Worth, um, um, Fossil Creek Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Please stand to your feet, give him a round of applause. Pastor Philip Dow, let's say amen for him as he comes. Thanks, Thanks man, Thanks. appreciate
2: you. Thank you guys very much. You can be seated. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm very thankful to get a chance to talk to you guys today, get to share what God has laid on my heart. I'm going to take you to Jeremiah chapter one this morning. If you want to go ahead and open up in your Bibles or if you don't have your paper Bible with you, you can go on new version and you can just uh, search Jeremiah chapter one on there and it'll take you to uh, the the verses that I'm going to cover with you this morning. Go ahead and get there. I just want to say what an honor it is to get to share with you guys today, to get to talk to you for a little bit. Um, I really believe that God has a message for you today. I really believe that God has birthed something inside of my heart that it was not just for my church, but it's something that was for your church as well. I'm thankful for every opportunity that I get to pass through Florida. We're on our way to Orlando right now. I have some some guests I'm going to introduce to you guys here in just a little while. We're on our way to Orlando for uh, I have some meetings down there, and and they're headed down there for a big mission trip for our organization. But I'm thankful that we have a stopping ground and a stomping ground between Fort Worth, Texas and Orlando, Florida. So thank you guys for, for being faithful. Thanks for continuing to provide a place of worship here in this community. Um, so as we've been around your community the last couple days, we've gotten to see a lot of what's happening here. God has really laid some things in our hearts. And, and, and I really believe that God is going to do some awesome things through All Nations Church as you guys reach out into the community of Greater Tallahassee. Well, this morning, I'm going to take you to Jeremiah chapter one. But before we get there, let me just tell you that I've been watching a lot of Olympics coverage over the last couple of weeks. I've probably been watching an unhealthy amount of Olympics coverage, if I'm honest with you. Um, it's, it's gotten to the point where I feel like I'm almost on the level of addiction because I'm so excited to get to see what's gonna happen next. And there was, I don't know if you've been watching much, but there was a swim meet that happened just this past week and, and there was one girl from America. She actually comes from Alaska named Lydia Jacoby, And Lydia Jacoby was not expected to win the particular swim that she was in. But as it came down to the end, she ended up taking the gold. And I, I remember as she touched the wall and she turned around to see what place she had finished. I fully believe that she expected to be in about second, third, or maybe even fourth place. But when she touched the wall and she turned around, she looked at the board and saw her time on the board. I don't know if you saw this, but her face just exploded with joy because all of a sudden she realized not only had she completed the race well, but she had won the gold medal in her race that she was in that day. In that moment, I really felt like like this national joy came up and this this moment of of happiness came up. And then one of the commentators who was on on the app that day that I was watching, one of the commentators said, She comes from the state of Alaska, and in the state of Alaska, there is only one pool that's a 50 meter pool. That should tell you something. That tells you that this girl was dedicated, this girl believed in what she had been called to do, and she put in the hustle to make it happen. This morning, I'm gonna talk to you this morning about how to be a finisher. How many of you realize that when we get into the race of life, we don't start out just so we can start, we don't start out just for the middle part either, we start out so that we can finish. We start start out so that at the end of the time, God is going to look at us and he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I really believe that God has called each one of us as Christians to be finishers in this race. We're not called just to be a, a, a also ran type people, but we are called instead to do everything within our capacity, everything within our abilities to accomplish what God has placed on our hearts. Now my calling is different from your calling, and your calling may be very different from the person who's right next to you, but I want you to hear from me this morning is that God has called you to be a finisher, but sometimes finishing looks a little bit different than you would probably expect it to. I want to read to you a verse out of Philippians, Philippians chapter one, verse six. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus. I think there's an important word in there, he'll carry it on to completion. In other words, he's not going to leave you halfway along the journey, but Jesus is going to continue showing up. He's going to continue investing. In you. He's going to continue showing up in your life. This morning, I got the special privilege. I told you I'm not traveling by myself today. Normally, when you see me, I'm, I'm by myself with just my family, my wife, Michelle, and my two boys. But today, I got to bring some of our students with me and our youth pastor with me from Fort Worth, Texas. I want to invite Pastor Chris, who's a, a phenomenal youth pastor. He He is leading this great group. He's going to bring a couple of our kids up here. They want to greet you and just share a little bit with you.
0: Good morning, all nations. How are we doing today? Awesome. It is an exciting joy to be here with you guys on this morning. As Pastor Philip mentioned, we are here uh, to serve the community of Orlando this upcoming week on a missions trip. And I believe that as part of what we're talking about today, one of the next steps in our calling of faith in myself and in all these students right here is to go and serve uh, people that may be close to Christ or people that are far away from them. And so uh, as we're talking about this, I was even talking with Pastor uh, Isaiah before service and how last year uh, it seemed like none of this stuff would ever be possible. This is one of our first experiences to be able to to be able to take a trip and go out and serve. And in that, we're learning that through this whole process, though COVID may have shut down so many things in our life, that it doesn't have to be a perfect situation in order to respond to God's calling in your life, but you just have to be willing to give everything you have and it. Whatever given moment you have, and so in this, I wanted you to hear from some of our students' hearts. I just want to introduce them all to you very quickly. We have here uh, Nehemiah, uh, Will, uh, Tori, Aaliyah, and Gabby. They're all joining me this week. As yeah, you guys give it up for them. They're amazing. Uh, they're absolutely incredible. And I want you to hear from some of their hearts as far as how God's been working in them to get us to this moment right here so we can step into what God has for us next. The first student I want to bring up here is Will. Uh, he wants to share with you guys some things that God had shared, uh, had done in his heart uh, throughout this last year. Uh, so Will, are you ready? <laughs> He's ready. You guys give it up for Will right there.
3: Thank you. Well, I've always known God and grown up with Him because I grew up in the church, and I've always had a relationship with Him. I was dedicated in church, and serving God was always like a therapy for me whenever I had problems with myself or with other people. Um, and I was I was growing with I was growing with the Lord, and I was I was doing well with Him until COVID nineteen hit, and I had to do online school. I was away from all my friends, and. I will, like the only connection I had to them was to play video games, and after a couple weeks, I know we were all pretty much done. And I realized that I was only talking to a couple people, and I felt like I was even pushing them away. And during quarantine, I started stressing out that maybe like I wasn't good enough, and maybe that um all these things that were happening. I just, I couldn't handle it, and I realized that I was super unhappy unha- with myself. I was barely talking to anyone, and I started bubbling with anxiety and depression, and especially, like, social anxiety, and I was I was barely even talking with my own family at this point. But then, I went up to my dad, because I realized I had, I had nowhere else to go, and I asked him, Dad, what should I do? And he looked me in the eyes, and he said, if you try and search for anything here it's only going to lead to more problems. You need to find you need to find God. So I went to Pastor Chris and he was live streaming from his own apartment and he and all the other people in the church they helped build me up and I started going into the school year and I had I had a decent relationship with God at the time. I had I'd grown a little bit after being crushed, and I started feeling like I was living two different lives. I was like all these horrible things like at my house and at school, but then whenever I got to church, I just acted like I knew it, I knew what I was doing. I knew God, and eventually I realized that I had done exactly what my dad said. I had turned to the world again. I would tried to put on like a good face for everyone, so I ended up completely surrendering, surrendering myself and now I have a good relationship with God. It's the best it's ever been. And what I do is, is now I know that if I have any problems, I can pray, I can read my Bible, I can do all these things. And I'm, I don't have to turn to the world anymore. I, but what I can do is I can help the world. And that's about it. That's. <laughs>
0: That's great. I, I love that because as we as we come to God in things, God's the one that fills us up and he's the one who empowers us to be able to go and do more than we ever thought possible. And so thank you, Will, for sharing with the, uh, that story with us. Uh, we really appreciate you sharing your testimony. Uh, the next person I wanted to bring up here uh, is, is Tori and she has she has uh, her testimony is kind of rooted in some life events that she's had happen. And I want you guys to hear uh, what God has been doing through her life uh, as well.
4: good morning Um, after my parents had gotten a divorce I was left in the state of depression that I just couldn't separate myself from though I felt this constant feeling of emptiness and confusion God came into my life through the people that he sent my way God knew how to send people to comfort me during my mental breakdowns to guide me in rough situations that I didn't know how to react and to just be beside me when I felt I had no one He sent love and grace through the people I've met throughout my life, even in the moments where I felt the most alone. God would make himself very present in a clear way to me, showing me that he wanted me, that I was loved and was never gonna be alone. He filled the empty spot within my heart left from my parents' divorce, working in my heart and my life, working on the story that he had planned out for me. And through all of this, though I was blind to what he was doing, he still continued to work. He even stayed patient with me during rebellious phases of my life he showed me that as long as i lived for him ran after him and obeyed his word i would never feel alone or empty again because he loved me because god showed me his amazing love and grace i strive to also show others the love that he showed me because god was so kind to me and gave me another chance to see life through god's eyes I also live to be kind and give others another chance to see life in a different view. God has given me more, and I strive to act more like him and do all for him, to love and do all I have for the Lord. Thank you.
0: Man, I love I love that vision of God's grace that he's always present in everything we may be going through Nothing is lost in, in God's presence. I want to bring up one more student uh, I want to bring up Nehemiah with me and he wants to share uh, How but God's been working in his heart, you know coming out of the pandemic and really trying to get to this moment where Where God can really use uh, his faithfulness and his heart to serve others you guys give it up for Nehemiah Thank you
1: Thank you um... I wasn't always the person I am today. I made some wrong decisions during COVID times. Um, I fell into the devil's temptation. This past year, I've noticed that um, the devil strikes those who are closest to God. And um, I was born into a Christian family. Um, I always went to church Wednesdays, Sundays. Pract- like I participated in a lot of church things. Um, during when COVID hit, um, I was fine the first few weeks, and then it started to hit me. Started losing a bunch of friends, and the friends I did have were like lockdowns. So I couldn't hang out. Um, I went back to school for football. Uh, a lot of my friends are online. I, know, I started noticing that I didn't have anyone to talk to. I was very lonely. And the idea came up to my head that, oh, I should hang out with the popular kids. Give them a try. As I started hanging out with them, I noticed that I started changing a lot. I started um, doing stuff I knew I shouldn't be doing, and that was the cool thing. So I just went along with it, and I noticed that I was being distant from everyone. I lost a lot of friends because of that, and um, I was just lost. I didn't know what to do, and then one day I was just hanging out with my friends, and and then something just hit me. I felt God tell me that I need to get back on the right path. And I just didn't know what to do. I started tuning into Pastor Chris's live streams. And I started just getting more engaged with God. And now that I feel like I'm back on the right path, I feel like now I can help others, those who are in the same position, those who felt like they're alone, but they're really not. Everyone has someone.
0: And yeah, that's all I have for you guys. Thank you. We want to thank you guys for allowing us to kind of share with you what God's been doing in our hearts as, and hope that you be encouraged too as, as a pastor is about to bring the rest of the message and whatever you may be facing today. You know, you don't have to have a perfect situation in order to follow after God. You just have to be willing to take that next step so that you can finish strong. We want to thank you guys for having us this morning.
2: Thanks very much. I want to remind you of that verse that I read right before they started. Philippians 1 6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I hope that you heard the stories as I shared with them today. And I hope I wish that I could could have their parents tell you their stories of them praying for their kids and, and spending the sleepless nights and the moments where they really invested in those kids. I, I wish that I could take you to those moments, but what I really believe is that God has called each one of us to be finishers who Come to the completion of who he's called us to be. This morning we take you to Jeremiah chapter 1, where we begin in verse 4 this morning. But before we do, let me just tell you, maybe you don't know the story of Jeremiah. Let me introduce you to you just a little bit. Jeremiah was a prophet, but he probably wasn't the type of prophet that you and I desire. Jeremiah was a prophet who was called to give the bad news to the nation that the nation is about to go into captivity. Jeremiah didn't get to bring any good news. Instead, he had a call to repentance. He had a call to conviction. He had a call to to walk out of the things that they thought they were called into and into this time of trouble. You know, I really believe that, that sometimes we as Christians, we get so caught up in trying to seek out the good things that we forget that we're called to seek out the God things. We're not just called to seek out good things in our life. We're called to seek out the God things in our life. So this morning in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, I want you to see as God began to call Jeremiah and began to speak into his heart what he was called to do. Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning verse 4, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. See, maybe you don't know the story of Jeremiah's life. Jeremiah actually comes from a family that was a, that was a very powerful family back in the day. What had happened was that Jeremiah's family chose the wrong side of the rebellion when it came to Solomon's ascent to the throne. Jeremiah's family had aligned with another family instead of the family of Solomon. So Jeremiah's family had been rejected from Jerusalem. They lived about an hour's walk north of Jerusalem. So Jeremiah was definitely an outsider. While he knew what was happening in the city, and while he was allowed to walk into the city, he was an outsider to the realm of the king. He was not welcome in the king's courts any longer. He was not welcome in the places that everyone else was welcome in. Jeremiah lived his life as an outsider, And in this moment, God begins to speak to Jeremiah. He says, Jeremiah, you have been called to be a prophet. You've been called to go and to speak the word. You've been called to say whatever I put in your mouth, you're supposed to say it. And what's Jeremiah's reaction? Jeremiah's reaction is, Lord, 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 you got the wrong guy. I'm too young, I don't know how to talk. I don't know how to stand in front of people and proclaim the good news. I don't know how to be a prophet. You gotta pick someone else. Now with Moses, when this happened, God, gave Moses a little bit of an out, and he said, all right, fine, you can take your brother Aaron, you can walk through it. But with Jeremiah, he's a little bit different. With Jeremiah, he almost comes down hard on him, and he says, don't say I'm too young. Don't be afraid of them. What he tells Jeremiah is, I am with you. In other words, our power does not come from ourselves. Our power comes from our relationship with Jesus. Jesus. If you're starting with anything other than a relationship with Jesus, if you're starting with how good you are, or you're starting with how much much experience you have, or you're starting with how everyone should listen to you because you've earned that right, if that's your starting point, then you've missed out on who God is. Because when I come to Jesus, I come to Him in my weakness, and in my weakness, He becomes strong. I stop depending on myself, I start depending on Him instead. I want you to hear this morning that it's easy for us to lose sight of God's plan when we get in the weeds of life. It's easy to get into a point where we feel like we've lost everything, we've lost sight of God himself, and we're just fumbling around on our own. Lost and confused, feeling like no one even cares that we're out there. I'm sure that's exactly where Jeremiah felt himself in the beginning of Jeremiah chapter 1. He felt himself completely lost. I have two sons, Tyler and Mason. Tyler is 10 and Mason is A few years ago, I started taking them on hunting trips with me. I would would put them in the truck and we would drive about eight hours away from our house and we'd spend about a week hunting in in the the bird area, in the bird fields. We'd take them out there and I'd dump them out and it was always me, my two sons and my dog. But here's the deal. I knew that we were going to be hunting in grass that was taller than my kids. I knew we were going to be hunting in grass that was taller than my dog. So when we would get out of the truck each time, I would make sure that they had a little waste pack with them. And inside that waste pack, there were some snacks for them and there was some stuff like that. But inside that waste pack, there was a little whistle. And I told them, if we're ever walking around and you lose sight of him and you start to get scared, you don't know where I'm at, just take that whistle out and start blowing it and I'll come find you. Just sit down. Don't walk around the field. Like, just sit down and start blowing your whistle. I'll come find you. It'll be fine. When I let my dog out of the carrier, you know what I do? I put a GPS collar on him. So that when he starts running, I can look at the little handheld thing in my hand and I can see, oh, he's 373 yards in that direction and he's on point, so I better hustle and get over there. I started doing that because the first time I got this dog, I let him out of the carrier and I didn't have the GPS collar on him and I lost that dog for like eight hours. I never saw him again. Eight hours later, I'm walking around the field grumbling and cursing this dog. When I finally found him, he's perfectly happy to see me. He's had a great day. I've had a terrible day. So when I get out of the truck, I put a whistle in my son's hands, I put a GPS collar on the dog. You know why? Because I know that when I get back home, my wife is going to expect me, two sons, and a dog. I'm not aiming for 75% return rate, right? She's going to be really mad if I leave one of those things on the field. So I know every time I pull back into the house, I better have 100% return rate. See, I think that we as Christians, we've settled for about 75% return rate with Jesus. We've settled for just enough Jesus to get us through life, but not enough Jesus to actually change the world. If you want to do what God has called you to do, then it's time for you to stop making excuses and saying, Lord, you got to pick someone else. Lord, maybe I'm not the right person. Lord, maybe I'm I'm stuck in the weeds of life right now. It's time for you to pull that whistle out of your pack and start blowing it because your daddy's on the way if you'll just blow the whistle. See, I think some of you guys are still missing it because I was missing it for a long time. We forget about the fact that we serve a loving father. We don't serve a God who started this earth up, wound it up like a clock, set it on its way, and said, I hope they figure it out as they go. No, we serve a God who sent his son to die on a cross for us. We serve a God who loved us so intimately and so so completely that he said, I will sacrifice my life for them. What I want you to understand is that in your relationship, completion was always the goal. Finishing was always the plan. See, I wonder how many of us God is looking at right now and wondering why we stepped off the calling that he placed inside of our hearts. That thing that he spoke to you years ago and said, I want you to follow me. I want you to be faithful. I want you to show up. And he's looking at us now and he's saying, if they had just shown up, they would have been where I wanted them to be right now. Now I have good news for you. Just because you've missed God's calling up to this point doesn't mean you have to keep missing it. There's always redemption. There's always welcoming. There's always the ability to walk back into what God is doing in your life. You have not been abandoned. You may feel like you're in the middle of the weeds, but it's time to blow the whistle so that you can get out of the weeds. It's time for you to get to where Jesus has called you to. See, maybe you sidestep the voice of God because you have a massive fear of failure. Maybe you sidestep the voice of God because you're so afraid that when God places that calling on you, it's going to be too much and it's going to crush you under it. Maybe you you sidestep the voice of God because you have a disbelief in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've tried to do what God has called you to do, but you tried to do it under your own power. If you try to do it without God's word, if you try to do it without the power of the Holy Spirit, then you are going to fail. It is going to fail in front of you. Or thirdly, maybe you sidestepped the voice of God because you became frustrated at the obstacles that were in front of you. You became frustrated at the things that seemed to not be going your way, and you say, God, if it's your calling, then it should have been easy. God, if it's your calling, then why are all these people coming against me? God, if it's your calling, why do I feel like I'm completely on my own? Why do I feel like I'm lost out here? Let me tell you something. The proof of God's calling in your life is that there's going to be obstacles. The proof of God's calling in your life is that it's going to be hard Sometimes. If something's too easy, it probably means that God's not in it. Because every time that God has spoken to me, something in my heart, I've had to allow that dream to die inside of my heart, get planted deep down in the ground before it ever took root and began to grow into something else. So with Jeremiah, here he is looking at God, and God is saying, Jeremiah, I'm calling you, go and preach the good news, but not really, it's the good news in eternity, but it's not the good news for the nation at this point. He's telling Jeremiah, you need to go, you need to do what I've called you to do. Let me take you to Jeremiah 1, verses 11 through 14 now. This happens here. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, meaning Jeremiah. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. The word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is tilting toward us from the north. The Lord said to me, From the north, disaster would pour out on all who live in the land. God uses two illustrations here with Jeremiah. The first one, he uses the almond tree, which would have triggered a thought in Jeremiah's mind to recognize that God is constantly watching out for his people. The second one is a pot that's about to boil over, and it's coming from the north toward the nation, and God tells him that's exactly what's going to happen, is that that this nation is going to conquer you from the north. There's going to be disaster that pours out to you from the north. But I want you to catch what happens here. These are not like, like Daniel's signs and wonders happening, right? Jeremiah is not having to come up with like new words to explain the, the, the cherubim and the, all the angels and all the stuff like that. He's not having to recreate it and find words. He's, God's speaking to him in his normal language. He said, Jeremiah, what do you see? He said, I see an almond tree. Jeremiah, what else do you see? I see a pot that's about to boil over. What I want you to understand is sometimes God speaks to us in our language, oftentimes Probably more times than not, God speaks to us in the language that he speaks. We don't have to be fluent in the King James version of the Holy Spirit to actually have the Holy Spirit. God speaks to you in the language that he speaks to you in. He speaks to you in your heart language. Maybe English is your second language. Let me tell you something. God speaks Spanish too. God speaks French too. God speaks every language of the world and God's going to speak to you in your heart language. And when God speaks to you, something's going to start to stir up inside of you and your illustration might be different than my illustration. If God spoke to me, he said, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond tree. I don't even know what an almond tree looks like, right? God would have to reveal that to me. But for Jeremiah, that was a normal thing. I see an almond tree. What else do you see? I see a pot that's about to boil over. Here's what I want you to catch. Oftentimes, we think that God speaks to us loudest at church or in the midst of a life-altering mission, but more often than not, God's going to speak to you loudest in the mundane things of your life. God's going to speak the loudest to you when you're on your drive to work. God's going to speak the loudest to you when you're sitting at your desk at work trying to get things done, and all of a sudden, the revelation of the Holy Spirit's going to hit you. God's going to speak loudest to you, maybe not in the moment that you're gathered together here in this church, but in the moment that you leave this church and go to have lunch with someone, that's the moment that God's going to speak to your heart and give his calling to you. See, God is not a respecter of location. It's not that this location is any holier than any other location. What I want you to catch is that God is a God of everywhere. And he speaks to us in our language, he speaks to us in ways that we need to understand. Several years ago, you heard, heard some of these kids, many of them, when I started out at the church that I'm at now, Fossil Creek Church, I started out as a children's pastor there. Several of them were in my kids' ministry back then. There was one particular boy who showed up every Sunday morning. He showed up early and he stayed late every Sunday. He'd get there early. He ran sound for me. He was probably about in, in fourth or fifth grade when he started running sound for me in our kids' program. He'd get there early. He'd turn on the microphones. He'd turn on the music. He'd make sure everything is there. Man, this kid, was, he was locked in. He was great. But here's what I began to learn. When everyone decided to sleep in on a Sunday morning and it was me and one kid and that kid in the back of the room, that kid still showed up, he still did his job, he still turned on the microphones, he still made sure that the videos worked. When the room was packed and there was, there was, you know, tens and dozens of kids crammed into this room and it was all hot and sweaty and we were having a great time and the Holy Ghost was falling, in that moment, the kid still showed up and did his job. He made sure the microphone was turned on, he made sure the screens were on, he made sure the video was working. Looking back on it now, I realized that what God was speaking to me through that young man's life was that he's a God who shows up. Whether it's for one person or whether it's for hundreds of people, God shows up. He speaks to us in our language. In that moment, I realized that my job is not to be the biggest and brightest, the next big thing. My job is to simply be obedient. Maybe you've been living your life trying to be the next shiny thing for the church. And I'm telling you, you weren't called to be the next shiny thing. You were called to be obedient. You were called to show up when God says to show up. You were called to open your mouth when God says to open your mouth. And more than this, you ready for this? You were called to shut your mouth when God says to shut your mouth. I don't know about you, but I have a little trouble with that. Sometimes I got to get to the point where I say, you know what? If God says shut up, I better shut up. It's part of life. God speaks to us in our language. Maybe you dream of owning your own business one day and you feel like that would make your life complete or maybe you dream of being the type of parent that has 10,000 likes on your Insta stories of your your kids and all your parenting things. Maybe that's what you're aiming for, but I can tell you this, even if you get all those things, you're still not going to be fulfilled. Because if you don't start with the calling of God, then you're always going to feel like you're missing something. If you don't start as, a, as Jeremiah had to, if you don't start by saying, I see an almond tree and I see a boiling pot, if you don't start there, then you're always going to feel like you're speaking someone else's language and trying to live up to someone else's expectation. See, the issue is not that we have dreams. The issue is that we try to impose our dreams on God's plan for our lives instead of allowing God's dreams to grow inside of our lives. We say, well, God, I have this dream. I hope that you'll bless it. Maybe maybe you're not like this, but let me tell you, I pastor a church full of people and people love to pray this way. God, I hope that you bless what I want to do. God, I hope that you bless what I put my hands to. And I would say that God's probably in heaven saying, hey, if you would just do what I called you to do, you wouldn't have to keep praying for blessing. I'm already blessing it. I'm already over there. Just show up where I told you to show up. I think sometimes we get so frustrated with Christianity because we're trying to make Christianity about us. We're trying to put ourselves on the throne instead of him on the throne. We forget about the olive tree. We forget about the boiling pot. And we say, I want my own version of Christianity. But if you're going to finish the race, then you've got to understand who you're starting the race with. You started with Jesus. You started with the one who comes before you. But then we run into this problem of what if there's obstacles? What if there's someone who stands in my way? What if there's someone who says I'm not called to do what I was called to do? I can remember being about 14 years old and feeling the call of God on my life. And I, I felt as though God was just, I mean, he was real. He was showing up. And I knew like I was called to do something for the kingdom of God. And I shared that with a friend of mine. And I told him, I said, I believe that God's called me to that. You know what that friend told me? He looked me square in the eye and he said, that's not your calling. That's someone else's. Man, you going to talk about taking the wind out of your sails? That just about did it. That just about put me on my back. I was like, man, if I'm not called of God and you're holier than I am, right? If the rapture happens, you get to go. I'm not sure. Like, I'm still trying to figure out if I'm gonna make it, but I know you're gonna make it. If you're saying I'm not called, then you must be right. But here's what I had to learn. I had to learn that I'm not called by other people. I'm called by God. I had to learn that the voice of man doesn't overrule the voice of the Lord. I had to learn that the Holy Spirit is better and bigger and brighter in my life than anything else. What I want you to know is this, that you're going to face obstacles. And obstacles don't mean that the calling of God isn't upon you. Obstacles mean that the calling of God is strong upon you. And it's time for us to figure out how to push through. Look what what God says to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1, verse 17 through 19. God speaks to him. He says, get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. Maybe you need to be reminded of who God created you to be. Maybe God has put a big calling on your life. You say, God, I can never measure up to that. Let me remind you what God said to Jeremiah. He says, I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall. Some of us need a little, get a little grit in our stomachs now. It's time for us to own up to it and say, you know what? I may not be who I dreamed I would be, but I'm exactly who God called me to be. It's time for me to decide I'm going to be a fortified city. I'm going to have some walls around me that when the attack of the enemy comes against me, it ain't going to stop me. In fact, it's not even going to hurt me because he can't hurt walls. I need to be a, a, an iron pillar that even if someone comes and they try to chop at me, they try to take me down, they think I'm simply made of wood like a tree, they're going to realize I'm made of solid iron and I'm not coming down. Some of you need to be a bronze wall. You need to stand firm in the face of adversity. You need to stand firm and say, I am who God created me to be, and I believe that God called me and commissioned me to see great things happen around me. See, along with Jeremiah's call was this assurance that God was with him. Because God knew that Jeremiah's call was going to be almost impossible for him. The weight that he was going to have to carry was going to seem impossible. Jeremiah was called to go and stand before the king and tell the entire nation, you're wrong. Jeremiah's call was a call of repentance. And I know repentance is never easy. I know that any time that I have to preach repentance, I'm going to get some emails in my inbox the next day telling me, that I preach the wrong message. I know that anytime I have to preach repentance, that that my own heart is going to go through turmoil the day before because I have to make sure that my heart's right before I can share with anyone else. See, repentance is one of those really hard things from the Gospels because repentance requires us to say, I've done wrong and I don't want to do that wrong anymore. But here's what I can promise you. On the other side of repentance is relationship. On the other side of repentance is acceptance. On the other side of repentance is exactly where God's called you to be. If you'll lean into who God is, then all of a sudden you're going to begin to understand that repentance is the first step. It may feel like death, but it's the first step that gets you to exactly where God has called you to be. Repentance is the very beginning if we'll simply show up. Steve Maraboli, who's a a man who writes many, many books, you may have read some of them, He says this, he says, at the end of the day, let there be no excuses, no explanations, no regrets. What Jeremiah had to learn was that he didn't have to walk into the king's palace and say, hey, I'm so sorry, but God's spoken to me. No, he was called to go in and speak the truth of the gospel. He was called to go in and tell the king exactly what the king needed to hear. I told you in the beginning that finishing is always the goal. There's always going to be struggles as you move towards Jesus. There's always going to be obstacles as you move towards him. But if you will start with the understanding that I'm not functioning under my own power, I'm functioning under the power of the Holy Spirit, in that moment, all of a sudden, those obstacles begin little hurdles that you just got to jump over instead of things that are going to stop your journey. I wonder what would happen if each one of us were to lean into who God has we're to lean into who God created us to be to finish his race. I wonder what would happen if this entire church got together and they said, regardless of what anyone else says, we're going to finish the race strong. We're going to finish the race as a church and we're going to finish the race as individuals. We're going to start with repentance. We're going to repent for the things that we've done wrong or we'll repent from the, for the things in our hearts that maybe we've held back from Jesus. But what we're most importantly going to do is we're going to keep showing up we're going to keep showing up. We're going to keep being who God called us to be. And as we keep showing up, we're going to see who God's going to show up to be. See, the truth is that every one of us is on a journey. And I imagine that one day I'm going to get to stand around the throne room of Jesus with you guys. And as I look around this room today, I hope that every one of the faces that I see in this room today are the same faces that I get to see around the throne room. But I recognize that unless you learn to finish strong, you're not going to make it. And unless I learn to finish strong, I'm not going to make it. See, the calling of God is not something that we get to pick up today, lay down tomorrow and say, well, I did it for a day. Now, the calling of God is a life-crushing, a life-altering thing that we have to pick up and wear. Now, here's my promise. You're not doing it on your own. You're not doing it by yourself. You're doing it under the power of the Holy Spirit and God's going to keep showing up. God's going to keep being there with you. But when you are full of the Holy Spirit, you're also going to be full of God's voice and God's presence. God's going to show up in your life. I'm going to close out my time with you. I want to tell you a brief story. It happened to me a couple years ago. I had, At that time, it was actually 2019, I had just taken up running as, as my form of exercise. I was going through a time where I was trying to be a little bit healthier and I said, I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to run long distances. And so I'd gotten to where I was running very long distances. One night I was, I was on a run, a particular run from my house to the church where I pastor at. There's a part of it where you have to run across railroad tracks. It's several sets of railroad tracks in a row. And as I ran across the railroad tracks, I, I stumbled and I kind of messed it up. And the gravel, the loose gravel that was there, I kind of stumbled and I messed up. And I fell right on those railroad tracks. I mean, I hit my, I hit my ribs right on the track. Just, I mean, it smacked me. I hurt. Oh, it hurt. It hurt so bad. I got up and I was about four miles from where I was trying to get to. I'd already run a long ways and I was about four miles from the end. I got up and I kind of brushed myself off. There were cars all around. I mean, I was sitting at a railroad stop. There were cars that watched me do it. Got up and I brushed myself off and I said, you know what? Even if I have to limp and walk, I'm going to get to the end of my run. So I started limping, started walking, started dragging myself. About a mile down the road, I wasn't feeling much better and I thought I should probably call a doctor or something. I don't know what I've done here. Go a little bit further, about another mile down the road, I started catching my breath finally. I'd gone two miles down, everything's starting to even out. A little while later, I only had two miles left in my run and I said, I'm going to give everything that I've got. I'm going to gas it. So I just start running. Start jogging, not running, I'm jogging at that point. I come to a point where I have to make a 90 degree turn. And I have a choice. I can run on the road up to the light and then make a 90 degree turn or I can cut through a little gas station that's right there. Now realize cutting through the gas station would probably save save me like 10 steps in total. That's it. That's it. But in my mind, I'm like, man, that 10 steps, that's 10 less steps I have to take. Coming to the gas station, I'm about to cut the corner. And right before I cut the corner, I, I audibly hear God speak to me. And God said, we don't cut corners. I said, okay. So I kept going straight. I ran, like I said, it was only like 10 extra steps. I turned the corner I'm running, came to another corner, and I had to do the same thing. I had to make a decision. Am I going to cut through the parking lot or am I going to go around? And I heard God again, we don't cut corners. And I thought, man, God, I'm hurt. Like, I don't feel good. I just want to get to the end of the run no matter what. Like, I just want to finish. In that moment, I realized that what God was saying to me had very little to do with the run that I was on and a lot to do with the journey that I was on. See, the journey that I was on at the time was I was working through my life and working through my salvation, and I was trying to figure out how to be the best pastor to the people that I was called to pastor. And what God was saying to me had nothing to do with running through a gas station, it had everything to do with the decisions I was making in leading that church. We don't cut corners. And it became a core part of who I am. When we go to make decisions in our staff or in our board, when we go to make decisions on how to lead our church, one of my core tenets, one of the things I started with, is we don't cut corners. We're going to do it right because God did it right. We're going to show up because God continues to show up. I love what Pastor Isaiah said today. We get to do this. Man, what a change in mindset to go from we have to do this to we get to do this. I think that what we're seeing in Jeremiah chapter 1 is Jeremiah shifts from the we have to do this to the we get to do this. We get to show up for God. We get to be a part of his calling. We get to, to continue to be who he's called you to be. My invitation to you this morning, I'm not going to invite you down to the front to pray because I believe that this altar call is for every single person in the room or online. I believe that every one of us, it's time for us to pick up the mantle and say, I don't know who's running beside me, but I'm going to run. I don't know who's going to join me on the run, but I'm going to run. I don't know who's going to partner with me in my calling, but I know that my calling remains the same. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning I'm going to pray for you then we're going to sing a worship song real quick I believe that the calling of God is heavy upon this room today and I believe that there are some Jonah's in this room who've been running from Nineveh for a long time and the whale's about to get you if you've read Jonah let let me tell you that There's somebody in here who've been running from your calling for a long time. Maybe you got scared. You said, it seems like it's too big. Maybe you got crushed because someone told you that it wasn't your calling. Or Maybe the obstacles just got to be too much. Whatever it is, I hope that God begins to rebirth that dream inside of your heart right now. Because you were not called to start the race. You were called to finish the race. You're called to finish this thing. We have every assurance that he who began a good work is faithful to bring it to completion, even to the coming of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God, I pray over this church right now. God, I pray over this group of people, and I believe, Jesus, that you have a calling in place for some souls in this room. God, in this moment, let us not move our eyes away from you, but instead let us focus in under the power of the Holy Spirit, God. Let us lay our hearts bare, beginning with repentance. God, we apologize. We repent of the things that we have done wrong. We repent of the thoughts. We repent of the the moments that we move from temptation into sin. We repent, God, first. And now, God, after we repent, we lean into the relationship. We recognize that there's so much more on the other side of repentance. God, I pray today that you would raise up finishers inside of this church. That you would raise up people who come alongside of others and they say, let's run together to the end of the race. Let's push together towards it. I know that you have a calling in my life. I have a calling in my life. Let's put our callings together and let's go for Jesus together. God, I pray for a great revival to break out inside of All Nations Church in Tallahassee, Texas. God, I believe that you have a powerful moment in store for them if we will simply push in a little bit further. God, it may not be today, it may not be next week, it may not even be this year, but God, I believe that you're setting up the dominoes that are about to fall for this church. God, I believe that the Holy Spirit revival fire is gonna sweep through from one wall to the other wall and then begin to overflow out into the city and the city of Tallahassee will say, what on earth is going on at that church? I gotta get there. God, I believe today is the day that we start the journey of saying we're going to be finishers, not just starters. Raise up finishers inside of this church. Raise up your people inside of this church, God. Solidify callings today. We believe that you are the God who died for us and you're the God who calls us. So let us lean into our calling. Jesus, I believe that you're going to do it. We worship you as if it has already happened. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sherer Road in Tallahassee a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.